morning. We are <clears throat> continuing our series, Backyard Conversations. And so uh, we're going through a, a journey, if you will, a trip through the book of Philippians. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians. It's a small book in the uh, back of your New Testament. It's easy to miss. It's only four chapters long. We have a little challenge going on to read Philippians once a week. Um, then you can feel really good about yourself. I read a whole book of the Bible. It takes about five minutes, but uh, it's good stuff. Philippians is just packed full of wonderful things to kind of chew on throughout the week. And you'll start to really bathe yourself with this book of the Bible. As you go through uh, life, it'll start just kind of popping back and smacking you in the back of the head. Um, And go, oh, oh. Ooh, and that, those nuggets will just keep on coming, coming to you, and uh, it's really interesting. It's really fun when people in the church come up to me. You know how you told me to read the Bible? Yeah. It keeps on coming back to me. Like, I know. That's the good thing about it. It's the Word of God, and it wants to come forth into your mind. Uh, it is beautiful to see. I had lunch with a couple gentlemen this week that uh, we started on a conversation and then we couldn't get three sentences into it until the scripture started popping out of one of the three of our mouths. And it's just beautiful. Your meal tastes great that way. It doesn't matter what you're eating, right? If it's Happy Place or, uh, you know, Johnny's. It's okay. It doesn't matter what you're, what you're eating uh, the, when the word of the Lord just starts to, to come out. Man, it's beautiful to behold. Not to be churchy, not to be holier than thou, but because that's what you're thinking about. And because that's who you're trying to become. Um, and that's kind of the uh, impetus the point of the whole backyard conversations. You have backyard conversations with people that are close to you. you people you know, might come up to your front door and you're like, what, what are you doing here? Right? My kids the other day, I was, uh, I don't know what I, I was, I think I was taking a shower or something. They were downstairs and some salesman came to the front door and they didn't let him in. They didn't open the door. They didn't do anything. I was very proud of them. And I said, what'd you do, Bo? He goes, I looked at him through the window. <laughs> so you can see my little five-year-old son. just like, what? <laughs> like, like it's just, just a look on his face. Like, I bet Kendall waved at him. Like, hi, you're not getting in here. Uh, you know, that, that whole thing. We had a little puppy to bite him if he came in, so it's okay. He's got sharp little razor's teeth. Um, but you know, your backyard is somewhere. You don't get to the backyard unless you're invited, right? You don't get to the backyard unless you're, you're welcomed in. Some of us have privacy fences. It's like our own little oasis. My neighborhood doesn't believe in fences, but it still is like your own, uh, your backyard is, that's where you belong when you're here. It's kind of like having refrigerator rights, right? When you walk into somebody's house and you can open the fridge and take out whatever you want without even asking, there's very few people that, that have that, but the backyard conversations is kind of like refrigerate, refrigerator right uh, people, people you really kind of do life with, share life with. And so as we kind of explore Philippians, Philippians is kind of like this backyard conversation type book. Paul loves the church of Philippi. He loves it. It has his heart. It's like that special place in his heart. I planted you. I loved you. And you guys care and love me. And he just has a certain kind of relationship with them. As you read Philippians, you start to hear that. You hear it more if you go and read 1 Corinthians and hear how he's yelling at those jokers. He still loves Corinthians. That's why he's writing them. But those guys mess up all the time, and he he doesn't have the same um, gentleness of spirit in his writing there is a a way of saying it. And you can just tell. You can tell. He's like, I love you guys. Thank you. And uh," and just the way in which he phrases things um, is so personal 
in, uh, in Philippians. And so that's where we've been. Today we're in chapter 2, verse 12. We're not going to really cover a lot of ground today. Uh, only about uh, five verses. But verse 12 <clears throat> is where you want to start with. Today's message is entitled, Yard of the Month. Now, I haven't seen that very much here. I don't know if HOAs here don't do that or do do that here. I don't think mine does it because you just have to look at everybody's yard and you know they, they don't give off a Yard of the Month. But in Georgia, this was a big deal um, to get the Yard of the Month. It made, like, you can imagine all the uh, stuff that would go around just to get Yard of the Month status. And some of the nicer neighborhoods uh, around uh, our neighborhood would have these really, really nice signs. They're like wood and framed. I mean, they're just like, somebody dropped a couple hundred dollars on the stupid yard of the month sign to hand out. But it became this status symbol of like, hey, we did this. And then after people would get uh, the yard of the month, you would start seeing their neighbors. Like more often than not, that yard of the month would stay on the same street. It could be a huge hundred you know, house neighborhood, but one street just keeps on passing back and forth yard of the month. Now, I don't know if all the, the HOA president was on that street and they just kept on giving it to each other. <laughs> or it, I, my theory is this. When something is going healthy, it can't but, but do make other things healthier around it. And that is what, what happens more often than not in, in, in uh, the idea of yard of the month is when one house gets it, the neighbor across the street gets it the next month, and it kind of works its way down, and, and you go on. You can't get yard of the month. I can't just decide, Paul, next month I'm going to get yard of the month. I mean, I could if I wanted to spend lots and lots of money and get the whole thing resodded, do all the things, and pay somebody to give, buy my yard of the month status. But if I personally, Jared Hauser, wanted to work for some weird reason on getting his yard to yard of the month status, it would take a lot of work. And it would be months and years in the process of getting it to that place. Well, I think Paul is kind of telling his people, telling the Church of Philippi to work towards the spiritual yard of the month status. Okay, not with a pretension behind this, but let's become as good as we possibly can be, right? In this area, in your life, let's become as good as we possibly can be. Read with me here. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and will and act in order to fill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. You see the call here? That you will become blameless and pure in a crooked and crazy and weird generation. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a few crooked people and crazy people and weird people. And my generation's full of them. I won't talk about baby boomers. That might hurt. But. So that you... <laughs> my parents are baby boomers, and they get really defensive when you start picking on them. Uh, <clears throat> the 70s. Okay, uh, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. This is where he's pushing them to, how to get there. Go for this. 
Now, I want to to explain some of this scripture for you. Back in 12, he says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want to be very clear here. This is not earning your salvation. It's not, I did so many of these things, and I get this, and I did this, and I get that, and I put that much in the offering plate, and now I've I've, I've achieved my salvation. The word salvation is the word so-so. So-so. And it means to be saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. So at the moment of your conversion, when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you invited him in your heart, you said, God, you're going to be Lord of my life. I want you to take control of me. That is, I was saved. Make sense? And when you go to heaven, and you go in front of God and said, you're my Lord. And God says, yes, yes you're my child. Come on in. That is, you will be saved. And now we're in this weird middle spot of being saved. And that's what Paul's talking about right here of working out your salvation. Does this make sense? This is really heady kind of theological stuff, but it's, it's a continuation of, of what the salvation looks like, not just um, a one-time thing and not just at the end, but all throughout our lives. Are you following me? Rattle your heads if you are or not. Okay. <clears throat> so this is what he's talking about. And so all today is really about how we are working that out, okay? Becoming the yard of the month. Not that we're going to achieve perfection here, but it should be our goal. This is called sanctification. is a big churchy word for it, or holiness, if you want to get like real technical. But I just like getting better, <laughs> all right? It's the, the layman's term of it. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about removing weeds from our lives because they, they suck the joy and the nutrients out of our life. And we got to remove these things. And I want to pick the first point today is going to piggyback on last week. But it's this if we're going to become blameless and pure in the middle of a warped and crazy generation, we have to get healthy. And being healthy takes a lot of work. Some of us actually have to change. You know, the pH values of our soil in our yard so that we can actually grow the right kind of grass. Some of us have to to do massive amounts of work because our soil has become so hard and so maybe nutrient devoid that we can't get anything to grow. Maybe we have a huge maple tree growing in the backyard that, that it just kills everything because of the beautiful shade it offers. But if you want grass, you've got to remove the tree. And sometimes in our, our lives, I think we, we're, we're operating in, a, in a, a facet in which we can't even get anything to grow because our soil, our heart, our mind is so hard and so nutrient devoid that we can't get anything to grow. And we need to do a lot of work of tilling and reintroducing nutrients and reintroducing good things into our lives so that we can have stuff to, to, to grow. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it rained like all of June. There was two non-rain days in all the month of June. I documented this with tears. But the last part of July and August, it has learned how to rain again, right? And then, or not, not rain again. It learned like, oh, well, it's water. And so my backyard has gotten cracks. Someone came by, Comcast came by and dug a trench in my backyard in the middle of June and buried a new cable because a rabbit ate through it. So if you have slow uh, cable uh, speeds, this is a side note. It might be because a rabbit got hungry. Um, that's what happened to me. They buried it. I never knew they came because the ground was so wet, it came back. 
I now, because it's so dry, have a Grand Canyon in my backyard because the ground had separated. And so uh, my neighbor, who he's got teenagers now, and he lives vicariously through uh, my kids. He'll see them playing, and he's kept like all their old toys, and all of a sudden I'll see a slip and slide in my backyard. <laughs> I just want to see him play. <laughs> you know, like some of you with teenagers who you argue with all the time are like, oh, five-year-olds who who still give hugs, you know, that, 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 might, that might come to your, to your mind. Um, and that, that happens. And so in our, in our backyard, my, my neighbor brought over some slip and slides. And so uh, I've been wanting the kids, this is the, like the greatest invention ever, slip and slides for a hot July, August day. I fire it up. Water's going everywhere. I'm like, all right, kids. And they don't want to go down it. I'm doing something seriously wrong as a father if a slip and slide does not want to be played with. And so, um, as any good father would do, <clears throat> I went upstairs and changed into my swimsuit. <laughs> now, 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 mind you, this slip and slide's all of eight feet long. <laughs> I do my best Pete Rose, pff, wind up 20 feet past the end of the slip and slide, with scrapes and all kinds of stuff on me. I'm like, oh, and that was fun. And so I started modeling how to play with the slip inside, and the kids started to, to do it. And they kind of got really tentative, and they didn't want to do it anymore. And I, what is going on? And so I do it again and, and show them, this is how you guys do it. And I'm doing my best Pete Rose, and we're, we're flying down the slip and slide. And then I, and they didn't want to play. And I was getting kind of aggravated. I was like, how, you know, it's not like you're, you're not going to go inside. You're not, there is no other option. You're going to play with water right now. This is what's going to happen. Next morning, I wake up. Ow. Oh. I got bruises all over the place because that ground was so stinking hard that even water pouring on it was not making it soft. And so basically, we were slip and sliding on concrete. And my kids were feeling that because they don't know how to slide like a baseball slide like me. They felt that very keenly when they were doing belly flops on it. And so that's why they didn't want to slide. So now that it's rained a couple days and I've gotten it wet, guess what? The slip and slide will be a little bit more attractive to them. Some of, I tell you that silly story because of this. Sometimes our soil is so hard that we don't do anything. We come in contact with people and we hurt them. Even when we have good things, we have great things, we have wonderful things for them, we have the most fun we could possibly have, and we still get hurt when we come in contact with them. We need to check our hearts. Is our hearts that way? Do we damage the people around us? Are we hurting the people around us just by coming in contact with them? We've got to get healthy. Second story about being healthy. Uh, In Georgia... This is really funny that I'm giving a whole, basically a couple weeks on yard maintenance because I am terrible at this. But in Georgia, I have, I have, in my house that we have down there, it's built on a hill, the walkout basement, and it's got a big privacy fence around it with all kinds of trees. I say all that to say, no one can see in my backyard. My front yard, everybody can walk by. So I keep that nice, or I kept that pretty nice. The backyard, it was a jungle. I would you know, go the whole summer without mowing it because no one's back there. It's 95 degrees outside with 99.9% humidity. I do not want to be out there. This is not happening. I started you know, bribing youth to come over and mow the grass and uh, you know, all kinds of things because I did not want to be out there. Well, one day I'm like, I got to take care of this yard. And so it's probably August and everything's this high. 
And you know how fun that is, right? You got to mow it 18 times before you can get it out of there. And so, because everybody's, everybody's done it at least once in their life. And so I cut it down and I don't know what to do with all this yard waste. We don't have a way, the waste management there doesn't come by and take up yard stuff like, like we do. So you're supposed to do things with it. I don't know if, I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. And so what happened was all this yard waste just stayed in this yard. And I trimmed all kinds of trees and I cut down uh, volunteer bushes. And we, I mean, I did it all, but all the trash stayed in my backyard. The rats were very happy about this. I created homes for rats, which then in turn decided to try to take over my basement because I didn't take out the trash. Now, I had 18-month-old kids. I was getting my master's and working a full-time job. I can be excused for not being on top of this thing. However, when you have 18-month-old kids and your wife sees a rat downstairs, things get real, real fast. And so I had created this issue. Because I had left trash in my backyard, I had left perfect dens for varmints in my backyard. I, by my even trying to clean up my backyard, I had made the problem even worse. Worse, And who knows, in the yards next to me, my two neighbors, I don't know what was going on in their basement. Was I causing problems for them too? Was I the, the rat haven master? Some of you are going, i got to talk to my neighbor right now. Because I didn't know what to do with my trash. Spiritually, I think we operate the same way sometimes. We start to try to get healthy, and we bottle up all that trash, and we bring it to the surface, And then, because we've only halfway dealt with it, we've only done half the job, we just get sick from it. We've actually now created an environment for disease to sprout. And we've created all this spiritual and emotional garbage that we just now sit in. Well, I halfway cleaned it. What do we do with that garbage? What I needed to do with mine was this, burn it. That's the Georgia way. Burn that stuff. Just burn it. And here, you, here, here we go. In your emotional and spiritual garbage, as you start to bring it forth, as you start to try to get healthy, as you start to till it up, and you're working with God, and you're reading the Scripture, and you're journaling all this stuff, <clears throat> I'm telling you, things will come out. Stuff will happen. Things will be brought to the forefront. And this is, what, this is how I, I deal with it. It has to get out in some way. Whether that needs to be with a a trusted friend and you just kind of mind dump it out on them. Now that's kind of dangerous because that's got to be a very healthy friend. Because you're pouring all, basically you're asking them to be the garbage man. You're just pouring your trash out on them. And then it's their responsibility to kind of like take it to the curb. It's very difficult to do. You've got to have a really, really strong friend for that. So I don't actually recommend that. I hope you have those kind of friendships, but that's not necessarily what I'm recommending. I recommend this. Journal it all out. If you don't want to write Put it on a dictaphone. But then take it, and you can read through that, and there's something cathartic, something good for your heart, something good for your soil when you just get it out. And it's on papers. You don't have to show that to anybody. But then you light a fire and physically, actually burn it and watch it go away. We did something really neat at a church one time. 
weird talking about these issues. And what we did is we wrote them on index cards and then uh, taped them, paper clipped them to balloons, helium balloons, and let them fly away. Whatever you need to do. I don't know however you want to do that. But I'm serious. You've got to get this junk and let it go. Burn it up. Get the trash out. Because if you let it sit in your heart, you let it sit in your mind, because now you just brought this junk to the forefront and it's just sitting there. It's just, it's just sitting there and it starts to bring the varmints in. We don't want that. You've got to get healthy. Does this make sense? Take the trash out. See, when we uh, better ourselves, we better others. Because when I fixed my yard, then I had to remove the problem from my neighbors. But if I'm causing all this trash stuff, I'm creating an environment of nastiness. And when we better our soil, when we better the stuff around us, in our own lives, we better the people around us. This is the important sentence that will be carrying us through the rest of the message. Second step, second thing for yard of the month is a yard of the month will grow. A yard of the month will grow. I want to use uh, one of Jesus' parables found in Mark 4 today. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. A healthy thing grows. A healthy thing grows. My neighbor's yard grows. He mows it probably three times more often than I do. Why? Because he likes doing it? I think so. But he has manicured that thing. He has done the little aeration with the holes. He rented the machine and got all these cores everywhere. And he fertilizes it every other day, it feels like. And he he does all these things and he trims it. I think he uses scissors. And he just, it is pristine. But why why does he have to mow so often? Because it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows some more. Healthy things grow grow. Just like this mustard seed that Jesus is talking about. It grows so big that then it starts to offer benefits for the people around it. The mustard seed is basically it turns into a bush, a big bush. Now, in the Near East, they don't have corn stalks, right? Mustard seed is not the biggest farm plant. I understand this, but to Jesus it was. If they saw a corn stalk, they'd be like, what is this? Or a sunflower. Somebody on my, my road is, has sunflowers in their backyard. They're like 15 feet tall. That would kind of freak a person in Israel out, I think. Um, but this is what's going on. The mustard seed is that kind of plant where it offers shade to the things around it. It offers protection to the things around it. Just like my neighbor's yard. As it gets better, it starts to make my yard better. We have this little war going on between my yard and his yard. My weeds versus his healthy grass. Right? And we go back and forth and back and forth. And just like in the people in our lives, we have this war going on. Our weeds are their weeds against our healthiness. And I am very excited when his grass starts winning that battle. So the, the more that I'm starting to work on my weeds and, and help my yard, my yard starts to look better and better and better the closer that it is to his. Now that directly translates into our own lives. The more that we start to get our, our soil right and our, our healthiness right, it starts to affect the people around us. Better yourself to better others. Does this make sense? 
This is a principle of the kingdom of God. If we're going to make disciples of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, we have to better ourselves so that we radiate out. Third thing is this. A yard of the month will be attractive. A yard of the month will be attractive. Now, I'm not talking about, don't get caught up in the attractive part. It's not talking about getting dates, which it it might help you, but... <clears throat> a yard of the month will be attractive. You will want to see it. You will want to be around it. A yard of the month will be attractive. And, and I, I talked about this, and Paul's talking about it here in Philippians 2, where it says in verse 15, if you are blameless in this crooked generation, then you will be, or then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. As you hold firm to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast in the day of the Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. If I am blameless and pure, then you will shine like the stars in the sky. And if you've ever seen the stars on a clear night, maybe been out in the country and you get away from the city light pollution and you see the stars like God made them without all of our stuff in the way, you just, you want to go back. (laughs) There's a a mountain campground that I used to take a bunch of students to every year and we get away from Atlanta and the the noise and light pollution of Atlanta is immense. And we'd go up in the mountains and we'd be in this little, little valley in the mountains And all of a sudden, the clouds would part, and you could see just the most gorgeous firework display ever of God's stars. And everyone would get quiet and get reflective and be pulled toward them. And it was real easy to tell the kids, hey, tonight we're going to go look at the stars. Okay, okay, we leave that thing. Hey, guys, we're going to do the retreat at Willow Falls. Can we look at the stars? (laughs) Like, yes, yes. And there's that connection, and you just want to be around it. The same thing is when we start to get healthy, and we start growing, and we start permeating our health onto others, it gets attractive. People want to be around it. When we make ourselves blameless and pure like Paul is talking about here, we become attractive to others. There will be wonder about you. What is different with you? I think sometimes we're scared of this as Christians. We're scared in our society to stand out. We're scared that we might be noticed. And I was thinking about this week, and this kind of popped in my head. Dulling your witness because you make someone feel uncomfortable is like letting weeds in your yard because your neighbors might feel bad. And I started thinking about that and just thinking about that, and I... I feel that's a temptation for me. Like sometimes I, I don't want to be the, 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 the Christian all the time. You know? it, it's weird being the pastor because sometimes you feel like the professional Christian. And I, I, I want to be a real relatable person to people. But I think sometimes we struggle with the same thing. Like, oh, should I? No, we shouldn't do that. It's like inviting disease in because, oh, I don't want to look too healthy to somebody. It doesn't make any sense, yet we do it all the time.
there is a, a show out <clears throat> that actually epitomizes this concept uh, for you. It's called Rehab Addict. And I don't know if you've ever watched Rehab Addict. The girl on there is crazy, and, and she's great. Uh, but <laughs> but she, she does these amazing things. She goes into these really, really poor uh, or decrepit house neighborhoods. They're not necessarily poor neighborhoods. They're just, there's a bad house in them. And she buys these houses for 10, 15, 20 grand that are slated to be uh, condemned. One of the houses was a dollar. She paid the city a dollar for it because they were going to tear it down. And she goes into Detroit and uh, in Minnesota, the Twin Cities, and she takes over these houses, and this is what she does. But this, if you've ever watched the show, you've seen this happen. It's amazing. As she starts to work on her house, as she starts to, to start reclaiming this house from the inside to the out, and she takes these 1890s, 1900 old Victorian homes. That's what she specializes in, in making them look like they did back then, except she adds central air and, uh, and, and makes them a little nicer. But this is what she does. Her neighbors, their houses start to come, become better as she gets. She, she just starts laughing because she'll like put a coat of paint up and all of a sudden a bush is removed from over here and she does this and then the American flag pops out on this house over here and she does this. And so not only is she reclaiming this decrepit house, this house with all these issues, with all this, I mean, most of these problems are internal problems, yet the houses around her are starting to go up in property value. The same principle is at work in our own lives. When we start to work even internally on our own junk, on our own stuff, it can't help but start to improve the property value of the people around us. Does this make sense? Because this is what the Great Commission is. As we start to become better disciples, we have to start affecting the people around us. If we're not, we're actually not being disciples. And we're called to be disciples and go into Jerusalem, the city around us, go to Shorewood, and then go to Joliet, then go to Chicago. Yes, even Chicago. Go to Chicago, maybe even over to Indiana. You, they won't bite, I promise. Go to the whole country and go to the ends of the earth. This is what we're called for. As we, The Shine Like Stars has been playing in my head for weeks. And this morning, this popped. I mean, I've just been thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. It's like just like our solar system, just like our sun, which is what? A star. Has a gravitational pull. That without the, the correct gravitational pull, we would not, life would not be able to be here. God put it there in a distance at a certain spot so that we would have life here. It's mind-boggling, the math that's all involved in God going, yeah, I knew how to do that. What's the problem? And how he does it, a perfect gravitational pull. That without that star, things go wrong. There's also something else found in nature called a black hole that just sucks in light. It sucks in things and it destroys stuff. It pulls, if you've watched any sci-fi video ever, there's a black hole that's causing some sort of problem. And I think today we have the option of whether we're going to be like a star shining brightly and offering, offering the right kind of gravitational pull that, that brings life into the situation, or we can be black holes that destroy and suck the light out of people. As I look at my conversations, as I look at the way I conduct my life, as the way I'm striving to become blameless and pure in God, am I a black hole? Or am I shining like the star, like the sun of our solar system? Better yourself to better others.
Maybe you need to ask yourself some questions this morning. Do, we, do I make the people around us more healthy or less healthy? What is the reaction? What does that look like? Do I bring the people around me up or down? Do I leave a room better than I found it? Do I add value or do I detract value? Now, I'm not saying that to be a self-esteem buster this morning. I'm saying that to really take a, a look at my life. How is my soil? How do I need to give this over? How do I need to, to be tilled? How do I need to work? How do I give this over to the great gardener to make my life better? Maybe we find ourselves somewhere on this process. Of, do I just need to get healthy or how am I growing or am I shining like a star? If someone, like, just like your house, wanted to come over and look at your yard, how are you reacting to that? Oh, don't. Oh, no, no, no. i got way too much work to do on here. Because at a moment's notice, we're called to be like, hey, here it is. There's a weed there, but look at my roses. As it's called to be disciples, are we permeating out, offering shade and protection? Or are we sucking the life out of people? These are hard questions and questions that we need to deal with. But I also, maybe, you're, maybe spiritual and emotional trash is starting to bubble, bubble up as you start to think about these things. I'm telling you, you've got to take it out. Don't let it leave there. Don't let it sit. Don't let it get all nasty. Take it out. Journal it out. Talk to a, a, a cherished Christian friend. But get it out. Get rid of it. Throw it away. Far too often I find stuff I need to work on and then all I think about is the stuff I got to work on and, not, and that's all it gets there. My mind gets wrapped around it and I just stick there and stay there. It's like a spiritual treadmill. No, 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 no. Throw it away. The Bible says Jesus f- forgets our past as far as the east is from the west. He forgot it. Why are we bringing it back up? Let me pray for you this morning. God, we ask you to move in our lives. We ask you to prune us back, to till our soil. God, some of us right now just need you. We need divine action. We've been trying on this, on this spiritual life to do it all by ourselves, and it's, it's just overwhelming, God. We have a jungle of a life. And God, right now we ask you to, to pierce all that darkness and pierce all that junk. That you become Lord of our lives and you would help us get healthy again. That you would help us take the steps to grow and take the moments to shine like stars. God, we need you. We love you. Some of us right now need to submit our hearts to you. Maybe even for the first time and maybe for the 50th time. Say, God, I can't do this by myself. I need you in control of my life. Will you take me and will you mold me? Will you make me a beacon of hope to the people around me? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.